Hi everyone, I'm Dan Duva, radio play-by-play broadcaster for the Golden Knights. This is the Sheriff Lawless and Some Guy Named Dave podcast. It's SLGND, presented by the D Hotel in downtown Las Vegas. 25 games left in the regular season, two weeks from the trade deadline. And the Golden Knights are playing eight of nine at home. So plenty of things to discuss for the crew, gauging the Knights' play of late, beating Tampa Bay and Detroit to complete a trip, but beginning a homestand with a loss to Columbus. We size up the VGK lineup. What is the composition of the Knights' third line? How goes the Valentin Zikov experiment? When does Brandon Peary get back in the lineup? And what does the trade market look like? We discuss possibilities for George McPhee. We also look around the league. Anaheim's debacle, a logjam in the standings, and potential postseason matchups. Plus a special guest appearance from owner of the D, Derek Stevens. It's SLGND, the Sheriff Lawless and Some Guy Named Dave podcast, presented by the D Hotel. And now, here's Dave! Attaboy, Dan Duva, the best part of every show is the start of every show, and some would say the end of every show, but the Sheriff Lawless, Some Guy Named Dave podcast... Hashtag SLGND coming to you from the great Andiamo restaurant. Table for four. Corner booth here at the D Hotel, the official downtown hotel of the Vegas Golden Knights. Dave Gosher, Gary Lawless, Shane Knighty, Dan Duva at the controls as the uh, Golden Knights are in the midst of a, a real long stretch for the most part at home. Despite if you listen on TV every once in a while, I had them not playing another road game the rest of the month. You know why, Dan? Because I'm a dope. Oh, that's why. Hey, is that right? And there's no unanimous. The peanut gallery not chiming in because they know I speak the truth. But anyways, uh, they're in the middle of playing eight out of nine at home, ten of twelve if you want to do the uh, BU math. But um, coming off a loss here, guys, and we'll start. Uh, you know, we're two weeks away from the trade deadline, but they've lost three in a row here at home after a long road trip. Um, what's your sense, Shane, as to where this team is at? You know, they're through the bye, they're through a trip after the bye, and now closing in on what is it now? Twenty-five regular season games to go. I think there's another notch for them to go up. And you look at it, maybe earlier, the first part of the year, you can get away with 40 minutes of hockey, 20 minutes, a bad period, a bad few shifts. But as you get to this part of the season, and even after the deadline, and it's talked about, this is nothing unknown. Everybody knows it around the league, that there's a, there's another level that it, the play seems to go up. So, you know, I look at their second period against Columbus. You, you can't afford to have those lapses. You've got to continue to, you know, keep your foot on the gas. I thought Columbus, though, to their credit, played an excellent hockey game. They were, they they played a hard game. They they, they didn't come off the puck very hard. Uh, we were talking about this morning with Gary Josh Anderson. Wow, uh, what a performance by him and individual effort. That's a good line with Jenner and Felino. Very big bodies. Uh, so for the Golden Knights, they they've got to find a way to to build a little more consistency to their top level game. Uh, each and every night. Top players too, Gary. I mean, they, they've uh, Riley Smith missed some games. He started with Carlson and Marsh still the first game back, and then they they switched that up and put Zekoff up uh, the first game against Carolina, and then the last couple of games he's been back with them. But um, that line seemed to break through a little bit, at least the last game. Yeah, they've been good. You know, just to go back to what, what Shane is saying, I think that they're kind of stuck somewhere in between you know second and third gear and they every once in a while they rev it up and they get into yeah. third gear but then they slip back to second and I, I look at the details and at this time of the year you know you're a, you're a forward and you're along the wall your defenseman moves the puck 
up along the wall to you. Job number one is to get it out of the defensive zone. If you can make a play, great. But job number one is to make sure you get it out. Like four or five occurrences in Saturday's game where the puck came up to that wall and it stayed in the zone and resulted in a scoring opportunity for Columbus. You just can't have that at this at this time of the year. There, there needs to be that mentality that it's not about statistics it's not about trying to get the 20 goals or 30 goals or or whatever it is it's about doing all the little things that add up to a, a to team success and i just i have not seen enough of that and uh it uh that, that it that really sticks out to me that if you're playing that kind of hockey right now that's that's problematic that's troubling for me you talk about those instances, Gary. I think there are other instances, too. And a caller on our post-game radio show brought up the question, okay, play a full 60 minutes. These guys are getting paid a lot of money. How, what is the problem? What are the things that they are not doing for a full 60 minutes? When a guy comes over the boards, you know, they're on the ice. And I, I guess I could pose that question to you, Shane. I answered the question the best that I could when it comes to what you're thinking when you come over the wall. But what is stopping a team from playing a full 60 minutes, having the focus to do those things that Gary just talked about and other aspects of the game, too? Well, it's about how you handle the ebbs and flows because, let's be realistic, you're not going to control a 60-minute game. The other team's got some pretty good players. They're, exactly. they're in the league for a reason. They get paid, too. Exactly. The other team's trying to win. They're going to take. They're going to grab hold of certain parts of the game it's how you handle those more than anything. It's easy to continue rolling when you've got energy, you've got the building behind you, you just scored a goal. That's the easy time to play. You're feeling it. But when the other team grabs hold of momentum, how do you handle that? And I don't think they've handled that as well as we saw even last year. And, and um, you know, I think this team, I don't want to say they've come off their identity, but you go to last year, I, I think there's a, there's a few more hope plays than we used to see. Yeah. Uh, it was a simpler game. Um, and that's human nature. You, you try to do too much when maybe points aren't coming. They came easier last year. Was a, I thought they played a simpler North game, North South style hockey, and, and they've come off that a bit. Um, but they do still have time. It has to happen quickly to get back on track, back to that identity, back to that blueprint that brought them a lot of success. And I wonder the other part of that identity that they've gotten away from a little bit more recently. You didn't see two forwards for almost the entire third period and last year that never happened each line was being used of course some more than others but there it wasn't too often that that lines would just go missing or be jumbled depending on the game situation and and i wonder how much you're you're getting away from that identity which made them so successful last year dependent on who's on which line and who's in the lineup and who's not and we got to be cautious there's still there's still a playoff team <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Nine point cushion as we sit here. Yeah, right now. for sure. Twenty five games to go. I don't think you can. You know, you can't. We the, Gerard Law started saying last year we're not an expansion team. We never we never acted like an expansion team or or approached it like an expansion team. The reality is is that George McPhee has only had two amateur drafts, and Shane, it, it, you've seen this on really good teams. They have they've they've gotten to a point where they have a bunch of good players and guys become expensive. Every season, there's one or two players that come up from the American League or you know one of their prospects and join the team and make it better in that regard. McPhee exchanged Perron and Neal for Statsny and Pacioretty. Those were the you know Nick Holden for. Um, Help me out here. Lucas, Lucas Pizza. Pizza. You know, those were the kind of changes. And uh, 
I don't, I don't know. I think on paper they were better than they were last year in 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 those regards. But it's not that big. There's not. A, there's everyone else made a step forward, and I don't know if Vegas did. And that's uh, part of their reality. Is that you know Brandstrom, Glass, Hague, they're not ready yet. And you know, next year, like if, if Hagen and, and Brandstrom are ready, and they move into the lineup. There's going to be a natural evolution of an increase in in the level of of the team's quality, and I that didn't happen this year, and I and I think that's that's just something that's been kind of rolling around in my mind lately as to reasons why I don't think that they're uh, as strong as you would like them to be at this point. All that being said, you guys are right; they're safely in the playoffs. The, no, I was going to say so in the crystal ball, Gary. Yeah. Do those guys get a look? I mean, Haig has ten goals, twenty-one points this year. Brandstrom has twenty-four points. In Chicago, we missed some time with a concussion, but he's tied for the top-scoring defenseman on the team. When you look and see at times how their power play struggles, do you see them getting a look between now and the end of the regular season? I'm not George McPhee, and George has done a really fantastic job, you know, managing assets and prospects in in Washington. Right? His, he built a team that is loaded with talent, has been a contender for a decade. And in and he did it by you know, that team in Hershey was always loaded. And guys got stuck there and played there for long periods of time and almost everybody went through there. Would I like to see them? Absolutely. Would George? I'm not so sure. Yeah. I'm not sure too. When you're in a play, you look at where they are. They're they're fighting to climb up. You still want to try and get to the top of your division. I know Calgary, San Jose are starting to distance themselves, but now is maybe not the time to. I don't think it benefits a player really to put them in that situation uh, coming up. But we'll see what happens. Uh, and especially he, depending upon the need. I mean, the Golden yeah, yeah. Knights defensive core. When you're talking about Hagen Branstrom, and right now Jake Bischoff has been on the Golden yes. Knights roster. Let's not forget about that, though he has yet to play. You know, Nick Holden has missed a couple of weeks now, but think about just the defensive group is the same group plus Nick Holden minus Lucas Pisa, and now minus Brad Hunt too, but it's the same group that got to the Stanley Cup final last year. I, I think that probably if you're looking at places to improve, it would be up front. And, and okay, Marcia, so Carlson, and Smith, they had their slumps. I'd say the last few games, last two games really, they've, they've looked much more like what we saw last year. Whereas, you know, Alex Tuck, who had... Team lead 40 points and still leads the team. He has no points in five games that's keeping out the shootout game winner. But he hadn't gone three games without a point. Forget about five. And Pacioretty and Stastny, along with Tuck, they've been good. They've been consistent. But they haven't taken over a game uh, in this stretch here of late where the Knights have now found themselves losing five out of seven. And it's interesting now, Shane, like where, you know, what is their third line? Right. Yeah. What comprises their third line? You mentioned the other uh, the last game, Dan. Yeah. So it was Zekoff and Nolsek didn't play the didn't third play period. Third period. Yeah. Jaragalant shut it down to ten forwards. And don't forget, Brandon Peary has been a healthy scratch right? the last two games. So you know, but what comprises their? You know, if, if we know the top six, what comprises Lindbergh with who, healthy who? Ryan Carpenter? Yeah. Right yeah. now, it's in a state of flux. Well, then, then we just go back a second. So you got Alex Tuck, a second-year player, playing his first time in a top six role. There's adjustments to that. It's been great, but there's some adjustments. I'm not alarmed with him going a stretch. That's going to happen. It's how he handles this stretch. Uh, so, yeah, we mentioned Gary was just talking. You take Perron, you take Neil out. Let's not forget about 29 goals in Eric Howell. Yes. Mm-hmm. That, that, so that whole line's wipes. You bring Stastny and, and Patretti, fine. And then you bring Tuck, who's learning a top six role. He's been good, but there's elements he's still going to learn. He's a young player. He's a dynamic young player. It's been very good for a long time. 
But that that's taken away a bit of that depth on the third line. And what has happened is because Hall isn't there. McPhee and Gallant have kind of lost the ability. Like, okay, you've gone a couple games without scoring. You're going to go play on the third line and switch switching guys. And Shane, you you know this way better than us. Mm. When you're riding in a, in a top six role and you get to work one day and you're in on that third line, it gets your attention, doesn't it? Well, it certainly does. And I think it's good to have that. And we talked about this, I think, on the last last podcast. I think the, you know they're one top nine forward. You know. With quotations, Eric Halla away from where you can flip and flop eat more easily. And there's two weeks before the trade deadline, and who knows if there is that kind of player available and if the Knights can acquire him and what potentially the Knights give up for that if it's indeed a rostered player. But for now, I'll, I'll throw out the suggestion that I have now for several weeks. I'm intrigued by the... the and I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think it's going to happen. But Brandon Peary was so good for good stretch of time and then he fell so far out of favor he was scratched for two games to me Brandon Peary playing with Paul Stasty and Alex Tuck and then Max Pacioretty playing with Cody Eakin and somebody else that makes maybe not one outstanding line out of those two but two lines that you can trust more and more because the third line to put them out to pasture for an entire period that doesn't work but you wouldn't do the same thing if it were Pacioretty Eakin and pick a third winger. I love that you bring up Eakin because uh, someone said to me, to me the other day, this is a guy that, that people too often have pigeonholed as simply a third-line player. And he, it, it, maybe if you get away from that mindset and think of him as a top-nine guy instead of a, you know, a, a guy that can play on a second line because when he's done that at times this year, he's looked pretty good. Maybe that, you know, we just automatically think of if you're on Cody Eakin's line, it's a two-way role and, you know, eating minutes and taking care of the, of the puck is more important than actually scoring. And I'm not sure. I'm not sure that should. That's the way it should yeah. be. Well, going into last year, that's not what we thought. William Carlson was going to be a yeah, third line yeah, center, not the top be, line Cody center. was going to be the number two yeah, center, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, and 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 what I was saying, I think, on the last podcast episode, when Max Pacioretty was with Cody Eakin, and it was technically the second line at that time because Stastny was not healthy, and so on and so on. But when it was Pacioretty and Eakin together, that was when Cody Eakin had that incredible stretch. And obviously, he has more goals this year than he had all of last year. But it was at that time that those two seemed to click. Beacon was getting more minutes, different line mates, more offensive upside. I'm with you, Gary, and that's why it seems to me uh, a, a logical grouping, right? The duos. It's not always three players on a line. We think of duos, and that's why, to me, I have continued to see Pacioretty and Eakin from what they did earlier, and Peary and Stastny from what they did in their time together. Again, I don't know that uh, there are so many other things to consider that I am probably missing, but those are things that keep coming back to me as I've watched the team play in the last few weeks. Stassi and Pacioretty are really good together. Well, I know, and that's and the I thing. I, and that's the duo that they'll have marked down. Right, and that's and because so much that. has been anticipated for those two, and, and frankly, that mindset is conventional, those yeah. two players. But what did the Knights do so well last year? They defied convention. They didn't do things the way, oh, this is obviously what they'll do. I, I, just, just my thought, and I well, brought it up I, a few I, times. I think it's a really good thought because, uh, you know, you cannot play the way you played against Columbus for long stretches. You can't play with right. with uh, how many forwards did they use? They, ten. You know, Third ten. It's just not ten. enough, right? Yeah, and and I, I love the idea of having three lines. That that fourth line has a really defined role. I like the idea of having three lines or you know three duos down the middle of your lineup that 
can do more than just check, that can be offensive and cause trouble in that regard. And then it becomes pragmatic in the idea of, for a few games, Riley Smith played on the third line. Gerard Gallant said he was always going to go back yeah. with Carlson and Marsha. So maybe just to, as Gerard Gallant said, wake some people up, maybe for a few games you just make that switch and see what results or wake some guys up. And I think it would probably be, to Dave's point, it would probably be Tuck would be the guy that you might put with Eakin first, and I wouldn't mind seeing that. No, I, I understand. I'm Although just I'm, Tuck's speed makes yeah. it really helps that Pacioretty stats the combo out. I, and I, no doubt about it. And I, that's that when Tuck was with Eakin and Pacioretty for sure. That was probably an X factor. It just seems to me that based on what we saw for stretches of time, that it might be worth exploring <laughs> because you can't have. It just seems that Brandon Peary was doing so much so well, and now. When he was not with Paul Stastny, he basically went to nothing. And that that's, you, you know, you, you, you drew it out for 10 games that you were going to keep him here. Now he's not he's not going down now, right? He's not going to clear through waivers. So he's going to be here. And where are you going to use him? Carlson, Marcia, Sill, and Smith were so good last year. They've had a hard time recreating it this season, right? You know, I know yep. Smith was out. Uh, Marcia, Sills had his moments. He had the hat trick against Pittsburgh. He had two points against Detroit. Carlson has three points in three in a row for the first time since the middle of December now. And yeah. Smith just getting back. Riley yeah, Smith is sitting on nine goals. Yeah. Nine goals. Yeah. And so I, you wonder as they move ahead, you know, that for a while the Stassing line was the only line really doing much, right? Mm-hmm. And you ultimately maybe throw Eakin in there. Can that line be a difference maker? They you know, they showed last year they could, but this year it's been hit and miss for them. And they played Tampa Bay. And I talked to Will Carlson before the Detroit game and how he got confidence from the way the Golden Knights played and beat the NHL's number one team, the Tampa Bay Lightning, thinking about big games against Tampa Bay last year, the game in December. And I wonder if perhaps now we've seen it for a few games. Those three have looked much more like the the line that we saw last year. Perhaps this is when they do go on that roll, and they are. You know, and just based on minutes, I mean, they're being used more often the last couple of games. They're they're at both ends of the ice, responsible and productive. So, well, I wonder if now they are getting closer again and if this is the beginning of a strong stretch for them. Sheriff Lawless, some guy named Dave Podcast. Make sure rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. We're on Spotify, but rate, review, and subscribe. We're coming to you from the great D Hotel, the official downtown hotel of the Golden Knights, uh, the Andiamo Restaurant at the D. Gary, the trade deadline is two weeks from today. You bet. If the gold, last year the Golden Knights went out and got Tomas Tatar and Ryan Reeves. If they're going to make a move, what area, you know, and I think maybe we've already documented it, they need help up front, but how much are they willing to give up? How much should they give up to make a move between now and February 25th? I think George McPhee is going to be pretty judicious with with his assets. Uh, I don't think he would pay a high price for a rental. I think he can take that right out of the the equation. Could he pay a high price for a guy that has term? And, you know, listen, a draft pick is a draft pick. If there's an NHL, a, a real live NHL player that is useful, that a team is, you know, trying to trying to shed in order, like we're, you know, we're hearing that Huberto is now on the blocks yeah. with the Florida Panthers. So would you trade, you know, a first-round pick, not this year's first-round pick, but a, a one down the line to get a guy like Huberto? Yeah, sure. I'd, I'd be willing to, to get into that conversation for sure. Um, I, I, I think that they'll be very careful. I think, you know, if they can turn a pick into a, a live player, that's something that they, they'll consider. 
are is there a hockey deal for George McPhee? Like, is there a player on his roster that you know? And I would look at defense, and he might say, you know, I could maybe trade one of my one of my NHL defensemen or one of my American League defensemen for something else because I'm. He's got five guys in the American League mm-hmm. that are going to play in the NHL on the on the blue line at some point in time. So. Kevin Shoveldeff used to always say this. He said, the key in making a trade is you're trying to fill one hole in your organization. Don't dig another hole. And, uh, you know, I, th- I think he could part with a defenseman and not be digging a hole. So that's, uh, that, that would be a consideration for me. Yeah, those are, those are things that, 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 that I think George would be interested in. That's not through any conversation with him. It's just looking at his track record, looking at what they have, and what makes sense to them. They gave up a lot to get to Tar last year, right? First, second, they could, and third, though. because they could. They right. could. They, had, they, they could. had that supply. Um, I, I'm i not going to lie. I don't know. You know, you was telling me earlier today, Gary, the, the I don't know about the upcoming draft. You said it's supposed to be really deep in the first round. Yeah, the, so that, those first round picks are coveted right now. They would be, I'm sure, less hesitant because of that to deal their first round pick. Um, but, you know, you've mentioned this before, Shane. They're there, there's something up front they need. Yeah, they're missing. There's a missing piece to that. And if they don't do something between now and two weeks from now, um, you know, how are they going to look? Are they going to be able to match up with other? You know, their depth last year in the playoffs um, was a problem for other teams. I mean, there's a lot of issues that other teams have to deal with. Can they? Are they going to be able to add this year to that third line? So this is for me is really interesting, and, and I'll ask Shane about this. Uh, Kovalchuk has said. Uh, for the right situation, I'll waive. You've played yeah. with them, you know the player. Uh, I, I don't think you'd want to pay a high price, and I think you'd want LA to eat some of the some of the cap. But what would he look like in this oh, line? Oh boy! How does he move? That, because I think he still moves pretty well. Do, right? It's just about his buy into the system. Uh, and we, we've only seen him a couple times, and he didn't play a whole heck of a lot. So it, it's really hard to get a, a fair evaluation on him. Um, I think he's a guy that still wants to win. He wouldn't have come back to the NHL if he didn't have the, no. the desire to. Sure, he likes money. We all do. But he's got lots. Of but he, but he, well, yeah, he, it's he has more than he'll ever need. Uh, he wants to win. He, he had a taste of it before he left when he was in New Jersey. They went to the final. He didn't get it done. Uh, he still he would help your power play. There's there's still shoots the puck with the top guys in the league. Um, and that's what I think when, when we talk about what they're going to add. I don't think you see them, you know, getting the Panarin or, or the top player. I'd love to see a Wayne Simmons, but sure, you'd love to see that Mark Stone. The guy, the names you're hearing, Matt Duchesne, but is there someone else out in that list? And I know we talked about a couple of Rangers earlier on, like, you know, mm-hmm. Kevin Hayes or, you know, a Kreider with Zuccarello. A Zuccarello with, with those type of players. And uh, I don't know where they go. I think, uh, and I think you're right, George has really got to manage it now. He's starting to really build his assets and to build, you know, not just the Golden Knights, but an organization mm-hmm. here. And you've got to really be mindful of what you're willing to give up this season. You made the point, Gary, on one of the lawless and orders we get into the trade deadline. Teams that make blockbuster deals. How often do they really pan out in the short term? Now, last year, Tampa Bay went out. They got Ryan McDonough. They got JT Miller. Uh, Boston went out. They got Rick Nash. Um, Tampa got knocked out in the conference finals. Now, So you make it, well, did it not work out? Well, last that season, it didn't work out. Those two guys are on Tampa Bay right now, and they have the number one team in the league. But in the short term, a lot of time, you know, the whole long kind of a lot of pieces of the deal with Pittsburgh getting Derek Broussard last year. They were out in round two. Here's a wrinkle for you. With all those good young defensemen, could you move one of your NHL defensemen in a sell mode, like get a get a first round pick 
for one of your for one of your NHL defenders or a second round pick and then bring up one of one of your kids to to fill that hole like it it will be fascinating that room and those discussions you know uh, Kelly McCrimmon, George McPhee, Vaughn Karp, and Misha Donskoff, those guys, you know, the pro scouts, Jimmy McKenzie, to be in the, in Vince Evans, to be in that room with those guys and hear what they're talking about and how they're, you know, they'll have a book on their guys. Oh, absolutely. They'll, they'll know which one of their guys they think is ready to step in and for there not to be a big drop-off. It will be, uh, you, you said they defy convention. That's the kind of move that, that George could make that would defy convention. It'll be interesting, too, Gary. Last year, George McPhee said that the team earned it. They earned the opportunity or the right, really, for him to make deals to try to make that team Well, they've got stronger. two weeks to earn it. <laughs> well, that was getting me my question, Shane. Mm-hmm. At this point, as we sit here on February 11th, have they, have they earned the right? for George McPhee to go out and make this team stronger between now and... I'd say they're teetering right on at whether... And I think this next two weeks is really going to determine whether they do go after someone or they're just going to ride the wave and see what happens. Uh, I I think this is a a very important time. They've got... It's a home-favorite schedule. Uh, See how they play. They're going to reevaluate their team here and heading into the deadline. Playoffs start tomorrow. They're playing the San Jose Sharks in the first round. You gotta look yeah, long look at, and hard mm-hmm. at can you get past the sharks? So and if you if you think you can, like it, like once you're through that first round, then hey, I think San Jose is going to win the division. Anything can happen. Do you think they're going to catch Calgary? Yeah. Yeah. Early a point yeah, back yeah, well, right now. Yep. Interesting. Shane brought this up the other day, so we looked it up a month ago. Yeah. Where the standings were in the Pacific Division, Calgary was in first. The Golden Knights were two points back. Yeah. yeah. Uh, San Jose was in third. Right now, the Golden Knights are eight points behind Calgary, and they're seven points behind San Jose. Yeah. I mean, again, let's reiterate: they're in a good spot. They've got a they've got a nine point cushion on a playoff spot. But a month ago, they were a heck of a lot closer to first place. And these teams have, and that you know, the Golden Knights ran off seven wins in a row, but everybody else kept winning. Yeah, Calgary. Yeah, well, these that these three three in a row at home. Yeah, six points right there. All, it's a different conversation, right? You know, yeah, and, and, and that loss to, to Columbus on Saturday night. That is one that will be as big as that. Even to get a point, as yeah. big as that Tampa win was, right? To kind of right the ship and get you in a good spot. Like I, I looked at the schedule and I looked at you know, okay, they're playing San Jose, they're playing Winnipeg, they're playing Nashville, they're playing Tampa, they're playing Columbus. I wanted to see through that stretch how many of those contenders they beat. Well, the answer is one. Yeah, yeah. and then. We brought this up, Gary, in regard to the Detroit game, because it's one thing to beat Tampa, but then to play the Red Wings, I mean, if they had lost that game, it would have been quite the setback. Well, they they won it. Got Arizona tomorrow. Right. right. And, and there you go. It, 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 exactly what I'm thinking, too, Shane. And then watch out. You've got Toronto, Toronto and Nashville and coming up after that. And then you've got a Colorado Avalanche team that has found itself Oof. right now looking up at a playoff spot. So it, 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 no doubt about well, it. Well, that <laughs> Toronto game. Well, go ahead, Dave. No, I was just going to say, it doesn't really matter, right? Like, think of the road trip. Carolina out of the playoffs, they beat Vegas. Yeah. Florida out of the playoffs, they beat Vegas, right? So it doesn't, and you've got all these other teams. I mean, Gerard Gallant talked about this when they came out of the bye. You've either got teams like Vegas trying to climb further up the ladder, or you've got teams that are chasing. Everyone's got something. You know, the Western Conference is bananas. Eight teams, eight points. Eight points separate the second wild card team from dead last. (laughs) 
a team that's Look lost at the Chicago Blackhawks. The Chicago right? Blackhawks are actually in contention now. St. Louis. St. Louis is. They're not. St. Louis isn't getting out of the playoffs. No. St. Louis. I'll, I'll bet you right now. Uh, we're not allowed to do that. But uh, <laughs> uh, well, I'll bet you like a ham sandwich or whatever. They're yeah, after like a disastrous start. The, the, yeah. St. Louis is making the playoffs. Well, Anaheim. They've lost seventeen of nineteen. They're nineteen out of twenty-one. The Ducks still, still have an opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. Now, if, if you're Doug Armstrong and Craig Bruby gets you into the playoffs. Yeah, uh, that's interesting. Do, do you look at yeah. him at the end of the season and say, "Thanks for everything you've done, but uh, we're going to open a jo- we're going to open a job search," or do you say, "Yeah, you've earned oh, it"? I think he deserves a reward oh, for that. Definitely. I, I happen to think he's a very good coach. And guys love him. Guys love him. They play hard for him. Yeah, you know, and like, there's no Mike. Mike Babcock is not some technical genius right like every team is technically they, they do they all do the same stuff they all have there's there's a there's a Said mike kelly time. on every roster yeah. that mm-hmm. is a really strong technical guy that right i shouldn't say mike kelly ryan mcgill and ryan craig break the game down very well as well they, they do a great job at it so that to me is will guys play for him and and they play for turk and you're exactly right. They love to play for Craig. I always get a, I get a kick out of Mike. You know, look, Mike Babcock's a good coach. Full full marks. How many Stanley Cups has he won? How many's Joel Quenville won? Yeah. You know what I mean? I'll answer one and three. Yeah. yeah. So the yeah, best the right. best saying ever for me when it comes to coaching. Good players, good coach. Sure. Bad players. Bad coach, mm-hmm. and some guys will even go even even farther and say, "Show me a good, good coach, goal. and I'll show you a good goalie." Yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, so yeah. speaking of that, so let we'll get in. Let's get into Anaheim a little bit here. Uh, we'll take a little look around the West and just what we gotta team. have Shane's description yeah, yeah. of this. I've gotta hear. It. I want to hear Shane's <laughs> because he played for Randy. You're, you're, you're in the dressing room in Anaheim, Shane. But so here's my question, Shane. You, <laughs> I want to come at this in a couple of different angles, right? <laughs> How many teams have you been on when there was a coaching change made in season? Do you remember? Oh, boy. That's a really good question. I think the last time that happened to me was, uh, I think I was playing probably minor hockey or minor pro. So it would have been the internet and the Davey IHL. Allison? Yeah, Davey Allison got fired, and it was the same. Our GM, Bob McNamara. But Bob was like a super nice guy. Yeah. That's not what's happening in Anaheim. So, so this is the, the great Bob Murray-Randy Carlisle combination in Anaheim. <laughs> but in that scenario, were you guys waiting for it to happen, or was it a surprise? No, it was a surprise. Okay. But you feel bad about it. You take onus on yourself. I think Anaheim here is just, they needed something. They look like they were waiting for it to happen. They needed something to happen. And, you know, when it does, you're like you do as a team you're like it it, it does kind of kind of wipe the slate clean and you're like all right let's go but this is a real different scenario bob murray's coming in there and he feels he's got a toxic room a toxic situation and if you think randy carlisle can be a grumpy me i'm gonna i gotta choose my words close close he's a great coach but he he can be hard he yeah. can be a hard ass on you he can be grumpy well bob murray has him in spades in that category. <laughs> the last time we, the last we were in Tampa, time we were in, in Anaheim, the Golden Knights won the game. There's two elevators that come down from the press box, so the radio booth is closer to one elevator. So I go to that elevator and I'm standing there, and Bob Murray is getting onto the elevator, and he looks at me and points to the other end and screams at me, "You're in that elevator!" And I'm like, "Okay." Yeah. <laughs> Off I went to the other end. Like this is uh, he does not. Not like to lose, and uh, he's never coached. He's never been a coach. Never yeah. coached. No, 
played a bunch of games. <laughs> this is gonna be so. Let me. Why can you say lottery pick? Oh boy, <laughs> like, I don't know. Ottawa's got a pretty good hand. So, so again, Shane, they're tied with the Kings. In, by you're way. in the dressing well, room. Well, now it's and word comes in. Hey, they fired Randy. So now you're thinking, oh, they got new age Dallas Aikens down yeah, there like, in San Diego. He's gonna Let's have some fun again. He's you're thinking, all right, we're gonna with us. It's a chance to have fun. No, I know. No, no. The guy that the guy that fought with you over that extra hundred grand on your last deal. Oh, yeah. He's uh, he's putting the tracksuit on right now. He's the guy who signed all your contracts, knows what you made, what your promises were as a player. He's the guy that's going to be behind the bench evaluating and trying. And and I'll tell you what, I guess the one motivating factor those Anaheim Ducks have right now, every single one of those guys, I don't know if there's a safe player. So well, they're all playing. They're they're playing for something now the rest of the way. That's their careers. Well, it's interesting to me, and I, I wonder why they waited as long as they did. When they played the Golden Knights in October, it was October the 20th, the Golden Knights outshot them 45-18. to 18. And this is before Vegas was really going, right? The first month was not yeah. great. They looked like a dead-ass team to me then. Gibson was the only right. reason they had a chance. Imagine if they didn't have Gibson. Right. What if they had uh, rudimentary goaltending? Gibson gives them a chance. They look like a team all year that never re. And you can all right, you know, Kessler, still eight points. Terry, blah. Right. My question is this: Why did they wait so long to make a change? Now, I'll give you one of my, you know, I think one of the answers. It's no secret they've been a terrific second half team. Right. That's what they've said That's over what the Bob last Murray few said. years. Yeah. They've had their injuries and you know, maybe Perry's the benefit back of the doubt. Now. Yeah, but nineteen out of twenty, and and now they're losing in obscene ways, right? Gave up six goals in the first period to Winnipeg. Gave up four goals in the first period to Philly. Now it's their non-competitive games they're playing. So they waited as long as they did. Gary, why don't they bring Dallas Eakins into this now? Well, I, I really actually like this move because they, they've got... I talked to Claude Noel, uh, who uh, is a scout, pro scout with the New Jersey Devils. We spent some time prior to the game on Saturday. He had just seen San Diego the night before. He said, because they got seven players on that team, seven guys that are going to play in the NHL, and they're winning, and they're doing all these good things. So they've got this coach that the players, the guys play for him. He just won his 300th game in the American League, so they got a good thing there. You want your players to have success. So if those guys can go on a run in the in the in the in the American Hockey League playoffs and go deep into the Calder Cup playoffs, that helps them and their future. So the big league team isn't going anywhere. They're not going to make the playoffs. As a matter of fact, you don't want to go anywhere. You want a lottery pick. They haven't had a lottery pick. I don't know when. Like they got Getzlaff and Perry, they got at the the end of the first. Yeah. They haven't picked high in forever. So you got so, so you don't want. So you don't want to win any more games. You don't, and and you want you. So you got a chance to help your organization, get your kids on the farm, some playoff experience, which they're not going to get immediately in Anaheim. And it, call it what you want, playoff experience, American Hockey League playoff experience is very valuable. And if you're Bob, yeah. and if you're Dallas Akins. Well, let me back up. If you're Bob Murray, why would you bring him into this environment? Uh, right? you why would you, you, you don't want to why bring? Why would you do that? You, and here, I'm a big believer in you know winning breeds winning. That's what you yeah. want your minor league team, and they're doing. They're playing successful. You do not want to bring any of those players, those prospects, into the type of situation that's going on in Anaheim at I, this I, moment. I, I think that he, Bob Murray wants to decide. You know what? Do I need to buy out Kessler? Do I need to buy out Perry? Do I need to? The, the Craig Heisinger, the assistant GM in Winnipeg, said to me, uh, I love this expression, so 
sometimes you got to cut down the, the tall trees in order to let the small trees grow. And maybe they need to get rid of some of those tall trees in Anaheim so that you know, the Sam Steeles and the Terrys and all these kids they've got in, uh, in San Diego can come in and play. And so let me just change perspective here for a moment. Are there any players on the Ducks roster that the Golden Knights might have interest in for this year's trade deadline? And then, secondly, would the Ducks even make a trade yeah. with the Golden Knights? Well, you, you automatically <laughs> think they're veteran players. Like Corey Perry, but he has too much term left. Well, 6.8 yeah. million Silver, Silver, Silverberg and Raquel are guys that, yeah. uh, that, they're not, that, that jump out at me. I don't think Bob Murray's trading them. Yeah, I don't think those two guys are going, yeah. so... It's interesting, and, and just for our fact checker, uh, it was 2005, I believe, their highest pick, Bobby Ryan. Who was number one? The best lot. One of Who's Brian Burke's one? great lines was, "I Sidney can't Crosby. believe he was there at number two. Brian Burke was the GM of the <laughs> yeah, Anaheim Ducks. I can't believe. So Crosby goes first to Pittsburgh, obviously. Yeah. And, and Brian Burke takes Bobby Ryan number two. I can't believe he was there at number two. <laughs> Like, what are we talking about? Did he say that? Oh, yeah. I can't oh. believe he was available. Uh -huh. um, but anyway, yeah, it'd be interesting. So I guess the answer to your question is, Dan, uh, no. Well, yeah, guys you would want aren't available. Raquel, Silverberg, I'd have to go through it. You know, yeah. Manson's a good young defenseman. But. Right, because then you also look at the LA Kings, too, and, and you mentioned Kovalchuk earlier. Just naturally, for fans who are following the Golden Knights, they're hearing about what will George McPhee do, and short of identifying the obvious players, we, you know, we talked about Panarin because Columbus was here the other day and his comments, but then you start to look around at which teams are out of it, and therefore which teams might be a partner for the Golden Knights to make a trade, and then just thinking of the psychology of, the Golden Knights making a trade with a in-division rival, you know, like the Yankees making a trade with the Red Sox, for example. It's like it's hard to swallow yeah. just in terms of perception. I don't know how much George McPhee might take that into account, mm. or maybe the Kings or the Ducks might take that into account. Just something that I, I've been asked by some fans, because clearly the Kings and Ducks are teams known to Golden Knights fans, but how about the players and who might be available? Well, yeah, Sheriff Lawless, some guy named Dave Podcast Company from the D-Hotel. Quick reminder for you, we're brought to you by Rock Creek Cattle Company. It's a hidden gem located in the heart of Montana. has a little something for every including world-class golf, fly fishing, horseback riding, hunting, and lots more. Check it out at rockcreekcattlecompany.com. Uh, one, one other little thought here on the trade deadline in terms of... So we, we think basically, Gary, that the price it would take for Mark Stone, Matt Duchesne, Wayne Simmons, it doesn't sound like it's a price that the Golden Knights would be willing to pay because all these guys, if I'm not mistaken, they're all going to be U well, Panarin, Panarin for sure is going to be a UFA. Um, that might be a little bit too steep for them to pay between now and a couple of weeks from now. Yeah, and you know, listen, I think you have to pay attention to history too. You yeah. Know? George McPhee couldn't get a deal done last year with... Uh, with Pierre Dorian verse on 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 the Eric Carlson file and uh, uh, I you know it's everything you hear right now is Winnipeg and Nashville are are going to fight over Mark Stone. I, I think Duchesne, Duchesne. I think he might sign, uh, or he or he loves Ottawa. He may say, okay, I'll I'll take I'll I'll I'll. I'll take a trade and then go back there and sign on July one. So I, I just think you got to be like buyer beware on what price you're willing to pay, and you got to think, you've got to think that you're a contender. And I'm a, don't mean a little bit of a contender. Like Winnipeg is in a situation where because of what's going to happen to their their roster next year, Line A, Connor, Morrissey, Truba, all need new deals. You're not going to be able to keep them all. You're not going to be able to afford everybody. So if you can flip a prospect. 
or a pick. And they can afford to give up a first round. They've yes. drafted so yeah, well. They drafted yeah. so. Now, I heard Matthew Barnaby say uh, today on, a, on NHL radio that you know he wouldn't take Jack Roslovic has the return for Matt Duchesne. Well, good, because I don't think Kevin Cheveldayoff is trading Jack Roslovic uh, for, for a pure rental. Like that's This is a guy who's got a future. Yeah. He's going to be a really good player. Now, would you trade Ross? Let's let's. I just want to have fun with this for a second. Like Mark Stone, you tra- if if he goes to Winnipeg, which is his hometown, he could go there, play there, potentially win a Stanley Cup, and you can imagine how how, how he would play, how hard oh, he would yeah. play in that building for his for his hometown fans, and then have success, and then still walk away on July one and and sign sign for a bunch of money in a sunny, warm place. The guy that's intriguing to me. Um and just because we just saw him, is Gus Nyquist in Detroit? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. He's like five or six on on the, yeah. the score put out there rental list. Yeah, yeah. like I glanced at that. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, if you're Detroit, you're out of the playoffs. Um, what would you want back for him? If you're Ken Holland, like well, you look at what you got for Thomas Tatar, and you right. start right there. Are you going to mm-hmm. give him away for a third round pick? No way. No, no way. No. For a guy that might play for you five years from now. I don't see them doing that. No. But he is a guy that, you know, he's not in that, you know, I don't think Simmons, Panarin, Duchesne, Stone category, obviously. But, you know, he is a guy that might I think we might generate some interest between now and a couple of weeks from now. Keep an eye on Ottawa, too, because, like, there's there's talk that they're going to trade Duchesne, Stone, Dezingle, and CeCe. How are they going to get to the camp next year? Like, they're, they're, they, are they going to take on dead money? Are they going to – so, like, people talk about – and I listen, guys. I don't want to not say anything bad about your friend, but Lucic's contract is oh, it's horrible. Is, oh, is, it. yep. People say it's unmovable. He might end up playing for the Ottawa Senators next year. He's probably got a no move though. So yeah. they, uh, I think he probably does. <laughs> it's a great the old, the old. So you say and trade all those guys the old line. Well, they, you know, you can't you can't trade all the players. So you fire the coach. Maybe you can trade all the players. <laughs> yeah, or at least a yeah. lot of the players yeah. coming yeah. close to a while, anyways. Yeah. All right, well, it's time now for the mailbag here on the Sheriff Lawless Some Guy Named Dave podcast. Hashtag SLGND is brought to you by the Findlay Automotive Group and our great friends over at Acura, Jaguar, Lincoln, and Chevrolet. All right, Dan, you've been on the interwebs. What do the people want to talk about this time? Uh, all stuff that we've been chatting about already, that's the trade deadline. And, you know, we were just talking about uh, Artemi Panarin uh, with the Blue Jackets. Of course, interesting that he had not given an English interview until Friday at T-Mobile Arena. He's been in the league four years, has not given an English interview, and was quite candid and talked about how it's one life and his next contract, seven or eight years, you know, that's 10% of his life. So the, the, the word that you hear wants a destination, maybe like a Sunrise, Florida, or Las Vegas, Nevada, or a big market. Who knows, right? And that's why he says he's going to test July 1. But Here's the question from Jared Stewart on Twitter. What would you be willing to give up to rent Artemi Panarin? And then I'll ask that second part of the question, which would be, if something could be worked out for Panarin with the Blue Jackets, you'd have to think it would be sign and trade, that you'd yeah. want him. You couldn't wait. As a rental, there's nothing. I, no I yeah. get nothing. Right. He's, That's all, right. he's no already stated yeah. that he is he's not go willing to, to discuss... Uh, an extension, so he he is going to July one. He wants to. People have to understand that he wants to experience free agency, meaning he wants to see what is not just money, but what is available to him in terms of a playing situation, uh, a competitive situation, 
and and a destination place. He wants to hear, listen, the one time in your life, like if anyone, you're a lawyer, you're a doctor, you're a broadcaster, you have that one opportunity where for three or four days, there's going to be five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten people vying for your services. And you, you only get... He's only going to get it once, that opportunity. He wants to go through that. So he is a pure rental, and as we just said, yeah. nothing for that. Nothing. For what do you that. think about him going back to Chicago? Mm. Now, he had a, gr- a lot of success there. The people around the Hawks, we well, talked to Shane, said they didn't like the deal when they made it. When they'd they have to do something with Seabrook's contract first. Yeah, which I think is feasible. I mean, I think they'd have to buy Seabrook. I mean, he's got... Trade him to Ottawa. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Trade everyone to Ottawa. Oh. That wouldn't surprise me to see him, see, see the bread man go back there. Chicago. He, no. He's a point per game. 295 yep. games, 296 Shit. points. He's yeah. going to command... Three against the Golden Knights. A lot of money. Yeah. 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 And he was terrific the other night. Yeah. So so you're pretty much saying there there's zero likelihood of a sign and trade. Zero. Okay. There you go, Dave Stewart. That is our Jared Stewart. That is the answer to your question. Dave Stewart, the pitcher? (laughs) That's who was in my mind. I said the wrong first name. Jared Stewart. I don't know Jared Stewart, but there's the question from Jared to kick off the mailbag. Here's another trade-related question, and this is from Jake O'Hara, who asks, Who's an under-the-radar target like Tatar last year that the Knights might target this year at the trade deadline? And we mentioned Panarin's obvious, you know, as a big name. You know, you I mentioned, mentioned Nyquist. from Ottawa. Nyquist, Nyquist. I don't know you if he's know. under the radar. But Another guy's name, uh, Furlan. Michael Furlan's name's kind yeah, of been tossed around a bit guy. from Carolina. Yeah. A little connection with uh, Kelly McCrimmon on that. Uh, he plays hard. He'd be a good third line. But you know what? You need, you need to wait and see. There, there's going to be some names that pop around here as uh, the final two weeks wind down. And some of these, you know, there's been some deals that have already, you know, Jake Muzzin goes to goes to Toronto. Uh, Brian Boyle goes to Nashville. There's already been, there's been stuff percolating for a while. You know, last year, yeah. like the McDonough trade, which was, and I guess even Rick Nash, but the McDonough one was, was, it wasn't deadline day. That's kind of been a trend now, right, for a few years. It doesn't always get down to 3 o'clock Eastern on the day of the deadline. So some of these have already happened, and I'm sure that'll be the case between now and you know the 25th. Well, Jim Rutherford is famous for doing that, and he mm. kind of you know made a, a couple of a couple of interesting moves. He got uh, the kid from Florida. Uh, they did the they did the deal for Broussard. Yeah. Um, help me with his name. The the big wing. Bukestad. Bukestad. Yeah. Uh, from Minnesota, and you know. I don't think I think Rutherford probably keeps his powder dry for a while now because Pittsburgh is they're not a slam dunk to make the playoffs. Like yeah. it's that the East is kind of wild right now. There's people around Florida that think they might flip Broussard again. Yeah, yeah. before the deadline. Wow. Yeah. You mentioned a name earlier, Dave, that uh, intrigued me because I, I watched him play, and that's Kevin Hayes. I said it, but that's all right. Oh, you did? oh I'm sorry. Sheriff on the board. Well, I, I, pardon me, Shane. <laughs> if you could pay attention, you can get credit. Man, that would be I know one of these people sitting okay. to my left on yep. television said it. Kevin okay. Hayes, did you see him skating, uh, protecting the puck with the Rangers yesterday? Was it uh, Was it yesterday? I did I not see it. Yeah. Oh my against goodness. the Leafs last night. Yeah, I yeah, saw him. yeah. Oh, yeah. He, he's a big man. He's six foot five, and you know, I like him more than his brother. Yeah, I'd love. <laughs> I'll tell you what, I would love some size like that in the Golden Knights lineup. We just watched Rasmussen in Detroit protect the puck down low and and score, and then we just saw Josh Anderson get the puck down low, and I, I like a guy like that that can come off the goal line, not just with size, but with a little bit of skill, and cause some trouble in that regard. Yeah. So, 
Kevin Hayes, I caught my eye. Great we, call. We saw yeah. them not too long You're ago. Welcome. But yeah, I, I, I was thinking that too. Uh, here's uh, the next question, guys, and uh, this is uh, from a Twitter name that is just a bunch of letters, so I don't think I could pronounce it. But here you go. When will the Piri Ekin Zikov line happen? <laughs> I don't think tomorrow night. <laughs> <laughs> Judging by how much Zekoff played in the third period Saturday. No, but Brandon Peary has been a healthy scratch the last couple I of think games. He'll be back I, yeah, I think it's time to see him back in the lineup. And you know what? You know, This is a guy that's worked his way there, and it can't be about placement of lines. He's got to find a way to produce wherever he is. That's just the reality of being an NHL player with his skill set. And interesting, Shane, and, and you could speak to this better than anybody at this table. More than anything else, you know, these guys, it's a good gig, right? The money's good, first-class travel, nice cities. More than anything else, you can take all of that away. They want to play. Yeah. And the motivation of being a healthy scratch for a few games for a guy that's still trying to establish himself in this league as a full-time player, I think, well, we'll see. You know, if he does get back in there tomorrow night. Yeah, I don't, I don't do think we see him. that as a line. But we could, I don't know. You don't know. It, 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 Brandon Peary, of course, had been... All star. I still need to see a lot more from Zekoff. Well, well, that's yeah. I was going to get to that, but in terms of Peary, I mean, he's having, you know, was having anyway the best season of anybody in the American Hockey League. He comes up with the Golden Knights and is continuing what he did at the end of last year, which is do nothing but score goals. So this is the first time he's had to face a little adversity. Exactly. So it's been since Pacioretty got back into the lineup because he was healthy that Peary was no longer playing with Paul Stastny yeah. and so now playing with Cody Eakin and somebody else whether it was Carpenter or Lindbergh or Nosek uh, not Zikov yet so if Peary is going to be effective because when he was the last couple of games he was in the lineup not producing he was essentially benched in late game situations because you're only going to use him you know on the power play of course but you're not going to use him in a defensive type of situation when you're shortening the bench later no but he was out there for six on five. He's out there for power play. He, he had his opportunity. So he's used where they, they need him. He, they need him to score goals. So uh, I'm interested. I just want to see him get back in lineup and yeah. play well. So, so how about Zikov? Because the, the, the experiment has continued, and, and he has been, as Geronkalon has used the word fine to describe Zikov, kind of talking about his offensive zone opportunities, but also his defensive zone mistakes. And as we talked about identity earlier in the program, it's a Golden Knights identity to have 200-foot players. Yeah, there, there's certainly room for improvement on the defensive side of the puck. He's still a young player. got to remember, he's only 23 years old, and he fits into that kind of age demographic that they don't have a lot of players. So, uh, you know, the evaluation continues, I think, right now for, for Zekoff. You can certainly see flashes of it in the offensive end. The guy you can see why he led the American Hockey League last year. But the, he has, I, don't, I haven't seen it all put together yet. Unlike Ryan Carpenter, who came in last year as a waiver claim and showed that he could do he could be responsible both ends of the ice i mean zikov is not there is also not as old as carpenter was but let's put it this way 25 games left in the regular season you put together your playoff lineup you know i don't think valentin zikov is cracking that lineup right okay so that's uh to be determined yep we'll give you one more question here from the mailbag and this is uh (laughs) this is uh, a two two questions as a matter of fact uh number one the, the the preface is i hope these aren't too dumb no such thing as a dumb guess. Yes. Not with this group. Is there a special term used for four or more goals for one player, like a hat trick for three? The answer is no. 
No. I, I looked into like, this. I thought Joe Thornton had one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The answer is it's a really good night. Really good game. <laughs> like uh, a baker's dozen? Like right. there was a baker's dozen 13? That's right. You if you score six in a game, that's a, a double hat yeah. trick, I suppose. But uh, the record is seven. I've not seen more than three from a Golden Knight, so no, we no. haven't had to figure that out ourselves. All right, you got me. Who scored seven in a game? Uh, you know, off the top of my head, I forget. Oh. It's been a long time. You, Do you know that out there. That, no, I'm asking you. Oh, well. I can't have all the information. How many did Settler score? He had a 10-point game 10 point, against 10 the point. Bruins yeah, that's right, in yeah. 1976. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that. Uh, actually, I don't. But. Part two of the, the uh, question is, I'll direct to Shane, there is so much training that's needed. What's the typical amount of calories a player consumes daily? Oh, I have no idea. <laughs> You'd have to talk, you know? I don't think. How about, I, how about I, when I played? Player. When, I, when I played, player. I didn't really worry about the calories. I figured I could consume as much as I wanted because I was going to wear it off. The guy's a little more. The guys are a lot more conscious now of what they put in their bodies and, and how they. I, I don't know if they really look at calories. Um, certainly, though, they are uh, aware of the food and everything that uh, they eat. I think it's interesting, Shane, and again, you could speak to this. How many calories are in a beer? <laughs> I figured uh, four or five. You don't know why. sugar in it. I, I always think former players, just real quick, and Shane, you, tell me, I, I could be out to lunch. I usually am. They either, you guys have had to be in shape for so long that when you retire, you either want to stay in some moderate shape, and the sheriff looks he's still jacked up, moderate. or you go the other way and say, yeah. the hell with this. I've had to ride the bike and lift since I can't remember how That's long. what happened to me. <laughs> That's a, that happens to a lot of guys. They just I uh, said to hell with this. <laughs> I'm just going to drink what I want, eat what I want, and not do a thing. And I, there's certainly players, and we've seen them, that fought. They say, yeah, I'm on my own program now. This is starting to feel, I'm starting to feel uncomfortable. No, we're talking about former athletes, Gary, former right, okay. players. But anyway, following up on uh, part one of that question, yes. Joe Malone for the Quebec Bulldogs in 1920 scored seven goals. Oh, Sittler, by the Joe. way, in the modern times, I mean, a lot of these numbers are going back to the 1920s. But in 1976, when Daryl Sittler had the 10, he had six goals. Yes. Six and four against yes. the Bruins. So, yeah. uh, so, yes, it's, it doesn't happen too often that uh, guys are, are getting four or even five and six has only happened uh, a handful of times in the history of the league and you're looking back at the you know basically 100 years ago all right time for our guest of the day here in our final segment of the program here on the sheriff lawless and some guy named dave podcast brought to you by the great d hotel the official downtown hotel of the vegas golden knights we're here in our corner booth at the andiamo restaurant and uh who else but Derek stevens joining us here who runs the show at the D and a lot of other places. Every time I watch the news, there's construction projects around here you're involved with. How do you, do you get any sleep at night? Or do you sleep about two hours? Oh, yeah, we, we, get, <laughs> we, get, we get enough sleep. But, uh, but you know, when you like to run, you like to run. So it's yeah. good. <laughs> Somebody, what's the only, you have plenty of time to sleep when you're dead. That's right. You know, you'd be it. asleep a long time. Before we get into, what's this new, so you got a project yes. going on? What's, what's it all about? Yeah, we just announced, uh, yeah. just a couple weeks ago, we announced our, uh, our next new hotel casino. Uh, it is going to be called Circa Las Vegas, and it's directly across from the Golden Gate. So it's located, you know, really right in the heart of downtown, like right in downtown Las Vegas, where you get all this new energy and, and everything else uh, taking place. So uh, that's going to be our next uh, biggest and biggest and best project. So we're excited about it. Can I just say I saw some of the renderings, and I know you're, you, you got the long bar here. It's great. The sports book renderings for, oh. for Circa, and then the outdoor 
just outstanding. Like, With the Golden Knights like, uh, game this, happening this, this there seems on the like, screen. Yeah. To me, <laughs> and I know, and just so, you know, from what I know of you, this seems like you, this, you, your dream type areas, and you put them together on this project. Yeah, we put out, we put a lot of ideas that came together on this. I mean, there's ideas in this that, uh, and I guess you could say I've had the back of my mind for over 25 years that it kind of came together, you know, and I'm glad you noticed that up at our at, at our pool, our 100 Oh, yeah. Looks, I noticed that, too. That's, yeah, a goal yes. that's the new viewing party pool area. Uh, there you go. That's oh. right. Here's That's the right. problem with that. Yes. I'd like to go there and watch a Golden Knights game. I agree. Yeah, I, agree. I can't. Yeah, well, I guess maybe if there was a national TV game, Shane and I could sneak away. Well, I don't right. think well, that would go over well, well. Well, we'll get you. We'll get you over there one of these days. Maybe, maybe, uh, maybe the offseason you'll have to come out and watch a watch a football game or something. Like great. Know. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Well, so you, um, what's the time frame on all this? Well, construction started last week, and uh, we are targeting December of 2020. So, 23 oh, wow. month That's build. Awesome. We actually did a lot of the pre work, you know, starting back about four months ago. So, uh, you'll see uh, the crews are mobilizing right now, and uh, and uh, and the project's ongoing. So, we're excited about it. So, we were just in your old town of Detroit. There were billboards with your face on it all over town. Wanted, and you know, <laughs> where's he gone? He left us. But you mentioned you had a big group at the game at Little Caesars, right? Yeah, we certainly did. You know, uh, my business in Detroit. Uh, it justifies having a suite over Little Caesars, so we have we have a suite for the Pistons and the Red Wings, and uh, and obviously when uh, the Golden Knights play their one game a year uh, in Detroit, that's a, that's a hot one. So uh, we had a couple of our guys, Bobby Garcia and uh, and Darren Banks, uh, hosting. So we had uh, I think twenty eight Golden Knights fans in, in our suite at Little Caesars. So it was a, so it was a, it was a good uh, good day. Um... In terms of Little Caesars, how much time do you spend in the building? I know you spend obviously you're here a lot, but have you been uh, in there a few? Yeah, I'm here. I'm here. Obviously, I live in Las Vegas, so I'm here. I'm here much more. But but I do get back to Detroit probably about once a month. And uh, you know when there's an event going down, I, I'm I'm with our customers there. And uh, you know it's it's a one heck of a heck of a place. I mean obviously, I mean I love T-Mobile. I just yeah, love T-Mobile. Yeah. Um, T-Mobile's got a lot going on, but boy, Little Caesars really has a lot going on. T- to some degree, you can almost argue there's too much going on. Um, you know, they had to change the color of the seats, as you yes, know, from right. last year that. in the yeah, black, yeah, yeah. just because of what it looked like on television. But, you know, when you have this whole outdoor atrium, but in Detroit, it's still covered. So you've got all the bars and the restaurants, you know, and, and, and all that type of stuff. There's just so much to do. That you know, unlike Joe Louis Serena, where the only thing you could do was basically be in your suite, you know, right. or be, be in your seat, in your seat, I should say. And now, uh, you know, I, I mean, I love Joe Louis Serena because it, you know, kind of growing up there and seeing so many games. Little Caesars is like from one going from one extreme of Joe Louis to, to Little Caesars is another. I don't think it's treated the Red Wings as a team um, or from a hockey perspective that well. Um, and I think that's one of the one of the tough things in stadium um, and arena design that, you know, sometimes some of these older arenas, and, and I'm talking about in different types of sports, sometimes you really create this home field, home ice advantage. And I, and I kind of wonder a little bit now with some of these with, with something like Joe Lewis, or I mean, with Little Caesars, that uh, maybe you kind of lost a little bit of an edge. Yeah, we were yep. talking about it with some of the reporters there in Detroit, and it unfortunately for the Red Wings has coincided with some non-playoff teams. Of course, they had made the playoffs for a quarter century straight, and, and now it, the team's not quite as strong. But when the Maple Leafs were in town right before the Golden Knights, yeah. apparently from what we were told that, that the crowd really was into it, but, you know, over the long haul, when you're playing 41 games at home, then you start to think about, okay, a couple of years down the line, what will that building be like if the Red Wings are truly relevant? Well, the, somebody was telling us, too, Derek, that the area around Little Caesars, I think they said they're going to spend $4 billion yeah, developing yeah. 
developing all that. So I know they've already done a lot with Little Caesars and Comerica and Ford Field in that area too, but that'll even... Yeah, now with what Quicken Loans is doing, and yeah. you know Dan Gilbert's really the yeah. the one heading it up, along with the Illich family who owns the yeah. Red Wings and the Tigers, and uh, you know all this investment in, in this area called District Detroit with yes. hundreds of bars, yeah. restaurants, office space, and and what's kind of cool now in that area is you've got a lot of young people moving in. Uh, mm-hmm. My you know my son just graduated from college uh, last April, and first thing he wanted to do was uh, to move to downtown Detroit. So that's that's, that's, that's a good awesome. thing. Uh, that is a good thing. Just so, to, no, go, go ahead, Shane. Go ahead. I was just gonna say on that we're just on we come back from the road trip just to pull it back to t-mobile as you mentioned loved arena there still is not a crowd like that in the league we say that we're on the road and and at this time of the year especially do you get more excited maybe as we get hit this you know the final kind of couple months uh, you're leading in the trade deadline then it's that final push to playoffs yeah, I mean, I think I mean I think last year for the Golden Knights was just so special at so many levels, and I think a lot of people in Las Vegas that became hockey fans for the first time in their lives maybe didn't fully fully understand you know how rare and, and, and what an incredible season it was. Yeah. I think um, things um, things this year are, are are obviously a little bit different, uh, but the energy inside of T-Mobile still today is just it's just outstanding and I mean nobody could nobody could judge other arenas better than you guys well yeah the first period of that game against Columbus the other night the pace of the game was ridiculous (laughs) they were charging up and down the ice you know Shane said I don't know if the coaches liked it but we sure as hell liked it. Yeah. Like I, it was unbelievable. Crowd did too. We, 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 right, we had a right. group text going on. Like, what, what happened? I mean, the, the the speed looked so different on Saturday. Like we were all texting amongst ourselves. Like, wow. Yeah, it, it was, was an unfortunate ending. But boy, yeah, boy, a heck of a lot of action in that it was game. A great game. Hey, uh, so just uh, in terms of what's going on here at the D, uh, not long ago, evidently the Super Bowl was played and the Patriots won, shockingly. Uh, oh, they've only won it six times. Keep, keeping track. Unbelievable. But it's uh, you know. It's a na- it's almost a na- unofficial national holiday in America, right? Super Bowl Sunday. What was it like here at the D uh, oh, that day? Oh, yeah. I mean, you've been out when we've had VGK watch parties out here, and, and you know we had the entire downtown Las Vegas event center full. I mean, every single table was sold out, and the energy, you know, for Super Bowl is just it's just outstanding. So we had a lot of fun. The game wasn't really uh, um, very exciting, but uh, it was a heck of a crowd. And, and you're right, in America, it's almost like a national holiday. And one little Side bit of trivia: it, it, It's clearly one of the biggest days in, yes. in of the year for Las Vegas on all kinds of levels. Beverage, you know, the the slot business, table business, sports betting, all that. But the one thing that a lot of people don't know is Super Bowl Monday has now become one of the top ten days of the year from the hotel casino business. Wow! No one, no one really? leaves after Super after the game Super Bowl. There's only a certain amount of flights. You got three hundred thousand people. It's not like you can evacuate the city on all the red eyes. It just can't happen. Yeah. So Super Bowl Monday ends up being a day where people are cashing their tickets and and Monday all day all night is just booming in the casino. So it's, for us, it's a long weekend. That's awesome. Well, I think we better get on uh, the NHL scheduling for next year because we've done yeah. two seasons here and we've been away for bowl Super Bowls. Yes. We were in Washington last yeah. year and we were in Florida this year. So. We played the Golden Knights, our very first Golden Knights game that we ever played at the downtown Las Vegas Event Center was um, before the Super Bowl a year ago because you guys played on the East Coast. It was early. In Washington. So, that's right. So that's we right. used that as the runner before we went into the pregame for the Super Bowl. So that was the first time we actually ever got to see the Golden Knights out at the event center on the big screen. Oh, that's great stuff. Yeah. Uh, well, I'd like to ask yeah. you one, one thing, Derek. Just an interesting thing with how we heard at the All-Star game the way that 
analytics data is yes. being tracked by the league. It's a new thing. They tried it out when CES was in town and how that might enter into your area. I wonder if you have thoughts on, on that and the evolution of, of the numbers, the data, the analytics, and the, the live stuff that the NHL is now tracking. You know, I, I, uh, I had dinner with Kerry uh, Buboltz uh, um, a couple weeks ago, and we, we actually talked about this, and we talked a little bit about how uh, Commissioner Bettman's kind of reached out to him and, and the Golden Knights to ask a lot of questions about, you know, how does that track to potentially wagering? How does that yeah. track to um, eyeballs watching TV or listening to you? And and, and I think from um, a hockey perspective, um, the more data that's out there, I think the more interest level you have on behalf of fans. People are now asking questions at Long Bar that they didn't ask a couple years ago. Yeah. People are asking, you know, they're talking about speeds, you're looking at times, you're looking about, you know, there's all this other data. And I think, you know, you, you, historically you always say baseball had the most amount of data of, of one of the big sports but I think I think there's so many people that are interested in data and speed and time on ice and, and this and that that um, I think it's increasing the level of interest in hockey uh, on an overall basis now don't get me wrong they still they still everybody still loves like uh, when a guy like Shane would go into the corners and, and gloves went down yeah. and people love it you know <laughs> yeah. but but from a data perspective and speed I think this is really really great for hockey and I think I think uh, uh, a lot of the data that people are, are, are really looking for is still evolving. Mm. Derek, it's always great to see you. Thanks for stopping by. It's been too long. We haven't yes. seen you in a while. You're a busy man. You get better things hey, to do. He's got a couple things more going on than us. <laughs> Obviously. Good. One thing I wanted to mention to you, um, you know, I, I think it's a it's a it's a pretty big deal that that the Golden Knights are part of this um, All American Sports Weekend coming up here in, in the end of February. Yeah. Five five um, you know sports are happening in Las Vegas yeah. in, in that same weekend, and uh, you know we get to kick it off here at the Event Center. You know we we're going to have the uh, at the Event Center we will have you know um, a setup for each of the five sports, and we really kick it off on on Thursday night the twenty eighth with a, with a watch party for the Golden Knights. Uh, here, here, and then, then obviously it rolls into the other sports, being NASCAR and, uh, and 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 the USA Rugby and things like that. But it's great for us to kick off uh, kick off this sports weekend with the Golden Knights on uh, February 28th. Thursday, where everybody should be. That's awesome. Down at the Event Center, place to be. The Event Center, the D Hotel. Thanks again, Derek. We great to see you guys. Same here. That's going to do it for the Sheriff Lawless. Some guy named Dave podcast coming to you from our corner booth at the Andiamo Steakhouse, the great steakhouse here at the D. For uh, Gary Lawless, Shane Knighty, Dan Duva, Dave Grosher saying so long. We'll talk to you next time. Make sure once again to rate, review, and subscribe to the Sheriff Lawless and Some Guy Named Dave podcast. We'll talk to you next time.